And uh, we shared a lot of things the past couple of weeks. We talked about taking ground. We talked about steps of faith. We talked about uh, last week about the walls of Jericho coming down. And today we're going to continue this uh, series and talk about some more things that happened in the book, book of Joshua. And notice when we read the book of Joshua, it's not just for Joshua. When, when God uh, inspired men and women to write the Bible, it wasn't just for them, it was for us. The Bible says in the New Testament that these things are written for our encouragement and for our hope, meaning if God could do this for Joshua, then he could do it for us. If God could help Joshua overcome these things, he could help us. And so anytime we read a story in the Bible, it's not just about them, it's about us. Because God's saying that I'm no respecter of persons, and I don't show favorites in the kingdom of God, and if I could do uh, do that for them, I could do it for you, but you have to have the same faith that they had and do the things that they did. So we've been talking about kind of those steps that Joshua had been taking so he could take ground, take back what actually belonged to him in the first place. So that's what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings, about God's people going into the promised land and receiving what God had already provided for them. And, you know, just because we're not going to a physical, physical location in the Middle East that's a promised land, we have all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And there's thousands of promises in this book that belong to you right now. They belong to you already. They are already technically your ground. But the key is we need to take possession of what belongs to us. The Bible says that we have a vast inheritance that God has given us, but we need to take possession of it. And how do we do that? By faith. The promises of God are his grace, but to receive the grace, we have to receive it by faith. With everything in the Bible and everything pertaining to God, there's always God's side and our side. Because we have a free will and we have a choice in this. And God said, by his grace, all these things are yours. But by your faith, you take possession of what already belongs to us. Can I just be honest with you on a Sunday morning? I usually am. There's a reason that there's a lot of believers walking around this planet defeated. Walking around this planet, living far beneath the privileges that God has provided for them. Because they don't understand this concept of, I have to do something on my side to take possession of what God has given me. I have to exercise my faith. I have to use my feet and actually take steps into the promises of God to receive what he has done for me and what he's provided. So my prayer is that none of us would be believers that are like that, living far beneath what God has provided for us when we have all the promises of God, or yes and amen in Him. We don't want to be believers living out in the wilderness when the promised land is right here. And many people do till they go on to glory. And then they can look back at their life and, and probably they're crying in heaven, saying, Look at all these things I could have had when I was on earth. Look at all these things that God provided, but I never took possession of it by faith. I never took the ground that God wanted me to take. So Joshua 1, this is kind of a key passage for what we've been talking about. Joshua 1 and verse 1, it says, After the death 
of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. Verse 3. I promise you that, I, like I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot will be the, on the land I have given you. Jump down to verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Come on now, he's talking to you today. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you are the ones who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Verse 8, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Come on, can I get amen? Amen. Let's look over at Joshua 10. We're going to read a couple portions of scripture from Joshua 10 on what we're going to talk about today. Joshua 10 in verse 12. It says, On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel and said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in its place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jasher? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky. It did not set like a normal day. There has never been a day like this one before or since where the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Verse 15, then Joshua and the Israelites' army returned to their camp in Gilgal. So today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Pray Bigger Prayers. Pray Bigger Prayers. I believe the spirit of faith is going to be in this place just like it was the past three weeks, and you're going to get something today. You're going to receive something today. You're going to be encouraged today. So we're talking today about pray bigger prayers. Pray bigger prayers. We see in uh, the book of Joshua that there had been miracle after miracle after miracle helping Joshua and God's people overcome all these different people that lived in the land. There was an opposition when they went into the promised land. Many of us think that just because it belongs to us, there'll be no opposition. It's just going to be like going into Disney World. The happiest place on earth, that's the promised land. But they realized when they went into the promised land, there was already people that lived there. There was already people that didn't want to leave. There was already people, there was opposition, there was problems between them and the promises of God. And there will always be those things in our lives to keep us out of the promises of God. There will always be a fight. A fixed fight, but yet a fight nonetheless. A fight that we can win and a fight that we have victory in, but there will still be a fight of faith to possess all the promises of God. Because the enemy wants to keep you out of the promises of God. 
He wants to keep you from taking back ground that belongs to him. The worst thing for the enemy is believers who know their authority and know what belongs to them. Those kind of believers scare him. That's why churches like ours scare the devil. Because it's a church full of people that know their authority and know what belongs to them and are willing to take some ground. You know, there's some churches around that the devil's like, eh, whatever. No big deal. They're sweet. They'll be nice to people, but they're not taking any ground. They're not taking active ground in propelling the kingdom of God forward. They're not doing anything to take back what the devil has taken from them. They're not, they're not going to ever fight back. So the devil's like, ah, no big deal. But he's intimidated of people like us. Come on now, somebody. He's intimidated of people like us. That's why there's pushback. Some of you have even received pushback that you come to this church. Now, I don't know why. Because if they knew me, they would love me. But for some reason, you get pushback. Why? There's a spiritual aspect to that. Because he knows when you're here, you're going to hear about what belongs to you and the authority you have in Christ. And you're not just going to be another Christian who has a bumper sticker on their car and listens to Christian radio and does nothing significant in the kingdom of God. You're not going to be those type of Christians. You're not going to be the type of Christian that wears a Christian shirt and that's nice to people but doesn't affect anybody for God. You're not going to be those type of people. And the enemy has a problem with that. Now, this isn't in my notes, but I'm just getting into meddling right now. You okay with that? Because the enemy doesn't like for you to know what the ground belongs to you. He doesn't like that. So when you tell believers what belongs to them, you're going to face some opposition. Opposition that you can win, opposition that you have victory in, but nevertheless opposition. And this is nothing new. Thousands of years before you got here, there was men and women of God in the Bible that faced the same opposition. And not only did they face a spiritual fight, they faced a physical fight, which you don't have to do that. They had an actual physical battle plus the spiritual aspect of this. But thank God we know that our battle is not physical, it's spiritual. And the fights that we fight, it's not against flesh and blood, it's not against people, it's against spiritual enemies. But we have the victory and we need to take possession of what belongs to us. So we see in the book of Joshua, uh, he's taking city after city and king after king. And there's 31 different cities and kings he had to overcome to receive the promises of God. We talked about him crossing the Jordan River. We talked about him going into Jericho and taking possession of that land. We talked about some different cities he's, he's went in and he's going to conquer another one today. But we see here that we need to listen to God's instructions for victory. I want to tell you a couple things about this. We need to listen for instructions. This is a common theme that's been coming up in this series is listen for his instructions. God would tell Joshua what to do. And it wasn't the same for every city. It wasn't the same for every town and king he conquered. Joshua would hear instructions from God, because what he say in chapter 1, if you follow my instructions, 
and you do what I tell you to do, you will prosper and succeed in everything you do. Implying if you don't follow my instructions, you won't win, you won't have the victory, and you won't succeed in what you do. You know, and God told him specific things for specific uh, times and seasons that Joshua was going through in the same way he'll do for us. He won't just tell you the same thing every day and every year and every you know, season in your life. There could be different instructions for different times in your life. And so for different cities, he would tell them, okay, Jericho, I want you to do it this way. For the next city, I want you to do it this way. When you cross the Jordan River, I want you to do it this way. And we see when Joshua did that, he had success. But the more you read in Joshua, you realize he's starting not to listen. Like every human being does. The thing about the Bible is this. The Bible tells the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because it's written about real people. And you see the heroes of faith in the Bible, it tells their dirty laundry too. They had great faith victories, but also they had issues because they're people. So that should encourage all of us in here because it's not talking about perfect people who had victory. It's not talking about faith giants who never experienced anything wrong. It's talking about real people who overcame their issues and God used them and they got victory and they're recorded today as examples of faith. Don't you love that about the Bible? It's encouraging for you that it's not just about perfect people who never make a mistake. I was thinking about this the other day because I have a daughter named Natalie and she's awesome because she's just like me. And um, I was thinking about the Bible stories she learns in class. And don't you think it's funny? Because the Bible is not rated PG. Have you ever read the Bible? Now, I'm not promoting R-rated movies. Let's not say that. But the Bible is not PG. Have you read it before? Okay, it's pretty clear. If you just read through the book of Joshua, you're just like, oh my gosh, that would be an R-rated movie. That's very violent, what just happened. But it's funny, I was like, we tell kids the PG versions of these stories and the Bible really doesn't record it that way. We, we give the nice side of David and Goliath, but we don't tell the side of David having an affair. We don't tell the side of David killing somebody else. We just tell the side of David killing the giant, but he had a lot longer life than that. Like Noah in the ark, that's so sweet, two by two, but we don't tell the story about Noah getting drunk. You never heard your kids come home and say that. Mom and dad, Noah was on the ark popping Bud Light with the animals. You don't hear that. And I was thinking how flowery sometimes that we make the Bible seem to be, especially pertaining to kids. I know you shouldn't tell kids certain things like that. But in reality, the Bible is not like that. No, there's a reason I'm saying that because I want to say there's hope for all of us in here. Because if God could use all these people that had issues, then he can use us. And you know what? Joshua had issues just like everybody else. And God still used him. So it should encourage us when we read these heroes of the faith. Yeah, we honor and respect them, but they were people. People that God used just like your people that God wants to use. So we see Joshua had issues. And he started not to listen to what God had to say. 
And we see the results of that. Kind of like this. You tell your kid, don't put your hand on the stove. Please don't put your hand on the stove. It's going to burn you. Then the kid puts their hand on the stove and gets burnt. Now, is it your fault that that happened? No, because you told them not to. But they have their own choice and own will. It's the same way with God. God all the time says, don't do that. Please don't do that. And then when you do that and get in trouble, what does everybody do? God, why did you let that happen to me? God, why was it your will that that happened to me? No, God was saying, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't put your hand on that. But you did it anyways because you have your own free will and free choice. And then when that happens, trust me, when consequences come, what do we all do? Blame God. It's not his fault. In the same way, it's not your fault when your kid disobeys you and gets in trouble. If you told them not to do it, and that's what he's trying to do for Joshua's protection. Don't do this. Don't go there. Because if you do that, you're going to fail. So I'm going to give you a couple examples of that. So after Jericho, God said, don't take any of the stuff with you. And there was a person from the tribe who took some of the things that belonged in Jericho and hid it under their tent. So the next time they were fighting at Ai, they lost the battle. And God said, I'll tell you why you lost. Because somebody in the nation of Israel took what belonged to me. And I said, don't take anything. And they didn't listen. So we won't read it because it's not a PG version of a story. But Joshua lined up everybody and said, okay, which one of you is this? And he took them family by family. And then eventually he found a guy named Achan. And Achan had hid all these things that belonged to God under his tent. And he was the reason that they were defeated at Ai. Now we know later on they got victory, but in that battle they were defeated because of one person. Now can I preach to you, because this isn't my message, but I need to preach to you about this. For those of you who think that your part doesn't matter at church, and who thinks that what you do does not matter and doesn't affect anybody, And you not giving your tithes and offerings doesn't affect anybody. That's a personal decision. And you not being a part of the ministry of helps. I just can't do that right now. One person caused the whole nation to be defeated because they didn't do their part. Now we're talking about hundreds of thousands and millions of people. If one person could do it then, how much more? A couple hundred people at Church on the Rock. I know you don't want to hear this, but the principle is true. We're all in this together. Now, don't make me sing a high school musical on y'all, but we're all in this together right now. And we're supposed to be all in. And that's the only way this thing works is if we're all in. And we see because one person didn't do their part and took what belonged to God, it caused the whole nation to be defeated. One person. Let me ask you a question. Is the reason our church is not moving forward because of you? One person, don't, don't get quiet on me when I'm preaching good, one person, 
That's what it says. One person did this and the whole nation was defeated because they didn't do their part. The whole nation. Are we not going to where we're supposed to go because you're not praying but everybody else is? Because you're not giving and everybody else is? Because you're not serving and everybody else is? I'm not just making this up. This is in the Bible. And the principle is true. If one person is not doing their, their part, it hurts more than just them. This idea that what I do doesn't affect anybody but myself, not true. And we see a principle in the book of Joshua that because of one person, Achan, and his family took what belonged to God and didn't do their part, the whole nation of God was defeated because of one person. And it wasn't even Joshua. I know I'm asking a tough question, but i got to be honest with you on a Sunday morning. Are we all doing our part here? Are we all doing our part to conquer ground? Take a hold of the vision. Do what God has called us to do. Take ground personally. Take ground as a church. Are we all in? Are we all doing our part? Because if you're not, you're affecting all of us. It's not just you. This idea that it just affects me is not true, but it's also a very selfish way to live. You know that's not true in life. And the Bible confirms that because of one person not doing their part, they were defeated. Now later on, Joshua figured it out. They got rid of Achan and his family. We won't read what happened to them. It's not PG because we're not going to do that to you, so don't be afraid. Which one of you? We got some rocks down there. We need to. Okay. So we see later on Joshua repented. He got it right. And they they overcame Ai. But notice one person caused them to be defeated. Because they weren't doing their part. But we go on and we see that Joshua, he goes further into the land. And we see that they were realizing that. Because of Joshua and the largeness of the nation of Israel and how powerful they were, that they couldn't just fight them. So we see this group of people called the Gibeonites. Isn't that a fun name? The Gibeonites. And they realized we can't fight them, so let's trick them. And so... They ended up, they came, and they broke a covenant with Joshua. And they said, hey, we're from a faraway country. We mean you no harm. Let's make peace. And in the Bible times, they took covenant serious. So even though this covenant was not right, there was people that lied about it. Because of Joshua and God's people broke covenant with this City, Gibeon, and these people, they weren't able to go back on it. So later on when they found out they were going to overcome Gibeon, and they said, oh, we have a covenant with you. We can't do anything about it now. So Joshua held to his word and didn't destroy those people, even though God's instructions were everyone in the land has to be destroyed. So we see he's not listening. So the enemy will try to do the same thing in our lives, even though he can't 
defeat us with force, he will try to deceive us. Or we could say he tries to get us to compromise. Puts out his hand. I will give you fill in the blank. Shake my hand. Let's make peace. Because he knows that he can't just flat out beat us, so that's what he goes to deceive us. And we know that the enemy is the ultimate deceiver. He goes to deceive us to try to get us to give up ground, to give up a place of victory and compromise. So Gibeon made a covenant with Joshua. And Joshua, because of that covenant, he said, I can't kill the people in Gibeon because I I gave them my word. Even though they lied to me about it, I still gave them my word. So they made a covenant. But notice why he did that. He didn't listen for instructions from God before he did that. So we see in Joshua chapter 10, this is where we are today. Some of these other kings of the surrounding areas heard about what happened. So they decided that they were going to attack Gibeon. There was five different kings. So because of covenant with Joshua, Joshua and the nation was obligated to fight for Gibeon because of covenant. So they're bringing God's people into a fight that wasn't theirs because of this covenant. Now, all of, once again, all of this could have been avoided if Joshua would have listened. But he didn't. So we see that these five kings come after Gibeon. They start fighting. So Joshua travels all night, it says, to go to the place to start fighting for Gibeon. So there's five armies against Gibeon and God's people. But how many know God's people got it well taken care of? Because they have God on their side. And we see in verse 9, Joshua 10 and verse 9. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into panic and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road, killing them all along the way. Now this is not children's church scriptures, right? Verse 11, as the Amorites retreated down the road, Notice what happens. The Lord destroyed them with terrible hailstones from heaven. Is that not awesome? Let's get more movies about this kind of stuff. Enough of the just the super, you know, cheesy Christian movies. We need movies about this stuff. Come on. Can I get amen? It says that God threw hailstones from heaven and continued, and the hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. So God's people were killing people on earth. <laughs> I told you, it ain't PG. It ain't PG. And God was throwing hailstones from heaven. And how many know God knows how to throw? <laughs> He's a pretty good pitcher. He doesn't miss when he throws. So God was like, hmm. He doesn't miss. And God said, I I see all these people attacking you and coming after you, and there's five armies, and you're in a battle that you shouldn't even been in in the first place because you made a covenant with these Gibeonites, but I'm still going to help you. 
Now, how many times has God done that for us? Because he's so merciful and he's so kind. It's like you're in something you shouldn't even been a part of, but I'm going to show you mercy and protect you right now and help you right now. So he's showing him the goodness of God, and he said, hey, Joshua, you got yourself into a fight right now, and I'm going to have to help out. So he's like, angel, rock. Let's do this. And he's taking out people, and it says, God killed more people that day than the Israelites killed with their sword because he's good at throwing rocks. Now you see where David got it. It's in the family. So he was throwing some rocks. And then it goes on and says, verse 12, On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites. And Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people and said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley. Verse 13, So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in its place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. So, I know I've already preached a lot today, and I'm already starting to go hoarse, but you're going to stay with me, right? So, the son stood still. He said, I'm going to pray because he realized in this battle that this battle needs to be over tonight. He couldn't go back to Gilgal, which is where he was from, and that's 25 miles away. So how many know if he had the momentum, he didn't want the battle to stop. He realized, let's finish this tonight, but the sun was going down. So he realized, i got to do something because we need to win this battle tonight. And he must have felt it strongly from God. We need to do this tonight. This is God's will. This is God's will that this happens. Because if we go and retreat back to Gilgal till tomorrow, they'll be able to regroup. And we might not have the victory. So he prayed a crazy prayer Joshua prayed a big prayer and he prayed that God would make the sun stand still and the moon and it said it stayed in its place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies it stayed in place till they defeated their enemies so I want to share with you a few moments about praying bigger prayers Praying bigger prayers. You guys still here with me today? We see that Joshua prayed some big prayers and God answered them because it was his will that they won that battle. Joshua prayed big prayers. We see out throughout the whole entire Bible that God is very clear that we need to ask him for what we want. We realize in the Bible it shows us that we have authority as believers to ask for things, and God will answer those things. We see it very clear that it is God's will that we ask him. Even though he knows we need it, God says, I want you to ask it. Because once again, there's a balance. There's God's side and there's our side. And God said, I want to do my part, but you have authority on earth, and you have your own free will on earth, so you need to be in agreement with me for it to come to pass. So even though God wants to heal you, you have to get in agreement with that and say, God, I receive my healing. So there's God's side and there's our side. Even though it's God's will that you prosper, you have to do your side and ask him. 
It's the same way throughout the whole entire Bible because we have authority that God has given us. And if Joshua had authority in the Old Testament, how much more us? If Joshua, who wasn't even saved, he didn't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him, could ask these big prayers and God answer them, how much more we believers who are seated with Christ in heavenly places, who are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, who has authority because of Jesus, how much more should we ask big things, pray for big things, dream for big things, because if Joshua could do it, we can do it. And we see that God wants us to ask. He knows we have need of it. It says that in the Bible. But he says, I want you to ask. The Bible says in the book of James, you have not because you ask not. How many times do we suffer with things and we go through things, but we never even ask God about it? We need to pray bigger prayers, church family. Pray bigger prayers. I love this quote. It says, God is more willing to answer than we are to ask. God is more willing to answer our prayers than we are to ask. He's looking for people that will ask him big things. He's looking for people that will take him at his word and receive what belongs to them. He's looking for people that will ask him because he's more willing to answer than we are to ask. He just wants us to ask in faith, believing just like Joshua did, and pray some big things. Pray some big things. Here's a question. I got a couple questions to ask yourself. Do we ask anything if God didn't do it, would we fail? Now, I realize the Western world, we think differently than other parts of the world. Let me tell you what that means. If God didn't come through, would you fail? Most of us, if God didn't heal you, you would be okay. You can go to the doctor. Are you here? So we don't think much about asking big things. If you weren't able to pay for something, you got a credit card. So if God didn't come through for you, you wouldn't fail. Put it on the credit card. But there's people in different parts of the world If God doesn't answer, they're dead. Now there's the difference. Because we're not praying big prayers if what we're praying for, are you hearing me today, would happen anyways if God wasn't in our lives. And in the Western world, we think differently about it. Why? Because we have backup plans. We have extra help. That's why you see the miracles you do in other parts of the world that don't have what we have because they're desperate and they pray big prayers because they know if I don't get a miracle, I can't go to the doctor. They're not going to help me. If I don't get a miracle, I can't go to the bank. They're not going to help me. If I don't get a miracle, I can't just go to my family. They can't help me. So that's why they pray bigger prayers than we, we pray, especially in this Western world we live in. Are you hearing my heart today? So we need to pray bigger prayers. I'm not against banks. We have a bank that helps our church. I'm not against doctors. We go to doctors. We believe in them. I'm not against all that stuff, but I'm saying we need to pray bigger 
prayers. We serve a big God, don't we? Let me tell you something about God from his word. We serve a God who says he will do the impossible. We serve a God that says he will make a way where there is no way. We serve a God that says, is there anything too hard for me? We serve a God in Ephesians that says, I will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, or imagine. Come on, are you here this morning? That's the kind of God we serve. That's how big he is. Do our prayers line up with how big he is? And most of the time the answer is no. They don't. But you know, if you never pray any sun stand still prayers, you'll never see any miracles like that. If you don't pray anything big, you have not because you ask not. I'm just saying, I want to stir you up today about the bigness of God, the greatness of God, the same God that helped all these Old Testament saints, the same God that helped all those people in the New Testament, the same God who did all these big miracles that we read about and we tell our kids and children's church, that's the same God that we serve. And we need to get our perspective higher and we need to get our faith higher and we need to get our prayers bigger than what they are. Because God wants to do it, but he's looking for somebody to ask. And Joshua was the only one who asked. And he said, let the sun stand still. And it did for a whole day so they could defeat their enemies. So we serve a God who's big, big. Our prayer needs to line up with that. Now, let me be honest with you here. A lot of people, the reason they don't ask big prayers or think big things about God anymore or dream big dreams is experience. Experience is the worst thing sometimes for faith. Because we start basing what we believe off of experience and not God's word. And not God's bigness. And not God's character. We bring our prayer life down to what we've experienced in our life. And for a lot of us, there's been bad things that happen. Or things that didn't happen the way we thought it should. So we start bringing our prayer life down to this level. And we wonder why God's not doing these exceedingly abundantly above things in our life anymore. Because we stop asking big, because we base it off of experience. Let's just take this. Someone we know dies of a disease. And they love God. So after that happens, we stop praying things about healing. Because we're basing it off of experience. Instead of the word of God. And that's just what the enemy wants you to do. Somebody that you loved and you knew, they believed in giving. And they were a big giver and they went bankrupt. So now that you don't want to believe to prosper anymore, you kind of hold back your money now because of experience. 
that happens to everybody in here. I'm only 30 years old and I've already experienced some of those things. Experience will get you to, to start stepping back in your prayer life and now you're just asking for small things. It will get you to step back to the place that we just make shallow prayers to God. Not big prayers to God anymore, shallow things. Well, God, I just pray, you know, if you give me a couple crumbs off your table today, that would be great. God, I just pray that I could just barely. No, we serve a big God. Why are we dumbing him down? Why are we starting to think? And a lot of us, the honest answer is experience. We can all say amen to that. Sometimes it's our experience because things didn't work out the way we thought they would. So now we don't ask for big things anymore because it didn't work out exactly like we thought. Or maybe it's someone we were close to, something happened that was wrong, not even God's will. And our prayer life goes from up here, from being big, from believing God can do anything, to going down and down and down and down. To the place that we don't ask anything big from God anymore. That's why we don't base what we believe on other people's experience. We base it on God's word. Joshua could have said, well, no one's ever asked for the sun and moon to stand still and it happened. So why would it happen for me? But he didn't base what he believed on experience. He based what he believed on the bigness and greatness of God. I encourage you and I challenge you, church family. We need to start asking bigger things from God. Bigger prayers. Bigger dreams. Bigger plans. God is so much bigger than you realize he is. We need to start expecting and praying for bigger things, not just as a church, but as families, on our personal lives. Because if Joshua could do this in the Old Testament, how much more us? How much more us? So we start believing the experience over God's word. Here's another thing I hear is especially some things that I have even said before. He's young. He will learn. It's not like that. Can I get an amen from any elderly people in here right now? That sometimes life will try to beat the bigness of God out of you. Try to beat that idea that God can do anything. Now, you thought that when you were younger, but then life and life, notice, experience has just knocked that dreaming and hoping and future and God's big and God can do anything for you. And you thought that when you were younger like me, but you don't think that anymore because of time and experience. And I've heard comments and I've felt vibes like that before when I've said stuff. He's young, he'll learn. He'll figure out it's not really like that. He can't just 
believe God for big things like that. He can't say big things like that about our church. He can't just talk like that on a Sunday morning. He'll figure out it's not like that. Hello, somebody. (laughs) It's not like that. Why? Because they're basing it off of experience. And they have let life and the enemy beat faith and hope and the bigness of God out of them. I'm praying today that the bigness of God would be restored to you today. The bigness of God would be restored to your heart and to your life and to your prayer life and to your mind. And you would start getting your hopes up. Well, you're just trying to get people's hopes up. Yes! Because faith and hope work together. <laughs> you're just trying to get people's hopes up there. You're not, no, you've got to get your hopes up for your faith to work. So I pray that's what's going to happen today in our minds and our hearts. And I know it's not just for older people or younger people. It's for all of us in here. But I'm just saying, I know life can try to take that out of you. I know before when I've said before about this church, I said, well, one day we could have service in the KFC Yum Center. And I see looks on people's faces like, I know, I know the reality is we're in New Albany, Indiana with a couple hundred people today. I know that. But that's a sun stand still prayer. KFC Yum Center. But that doesn't mean I deny where we are today. I know where we're at. But if you never get your hopes up, come on, where's your faith at? Where's your faith at? So I know when I've said stuff like that before, I hear that. Oh, he'll learn. He'll figure it out one day. Hopefully I don't. Hopefully you don't. Just because you stopped believing God 10 years ago, let somebody else do it. We all need to get our faith and our hope up again. Because what had happened to Joshua? Joshua prayed a prayer that was so much bigger than he was. So much bigger. Nobody had ever seen that before. And no one has ever seen it since. But he prayed a prayer and God answered it. I'm asking you, in here, when's the last time you prayed some prayers like that? Some big prayers. Some big dreams. Some big plans. That you realize this will not happen unless God comes through for me. When's the last time you prayed those prayers? Because we need to get our hopes up. Pray bigger prayers. We know that Joshua could ask this because it was God's will. He wasn't just doing this randomly. Because I know you guys are going to go out today and be like, sun stand still. <laughs> what well, didn't happen? Okay, well, you're not fighting a battle and need to win either. It's the same way with you're like, 
mountain moving faith, mountain Floyd knobs move. <laughs> but it's not God's will that that happened. What would you need it for, for the mountains to move? You don't need that. The principle is pray for big things. Ask for big things and see God do it. It was a son standstill prayer. We need to pray big things, ask big things. But notice he could do it because he knew it was God's will. Let's go to 1 John. We're going to close here. I appreciate you guys coming today. I appreciate you listening to my raspy voice today. <laughs> I get a little excited. I can't help it. 1 John 5. And we're going to read from the New King James Version. First John 5 and verse 14. It says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And verse 15, If we know that He hears us, whatever we ask for, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of Him. So it says we can ask in confidence when we know his will. And if we pray in his will, we know he hears us. And if we know that God hears us, we know we have it. So we need to know God's will. So how do you know God's will? Real easily, God's will is God's word. So we know anything written in this book is his will for our lives. So we can ask this boldly and confidently knowing that it will happen because God's word is God's will. Also, we know that God, for certain things, will speak to us. That's his will. Joshua knew that the promised land belonged to them. And it was God's will that they overcame everyone. So he knew we needed to win this battle. I'm going to pray this prayer because it's God's will that we win this battle. So for certain things in your life, God, not only can he give you a scripture, but he will speak to you about certain things. Let me tell you an example of this real quickly. So God's word is God's will. We can pray in confidence and faith knowing it's his will. So if God says, that car is your car. Okay, there's not a scripture for that. The principle's in there that God wants you to have the desires of your heart. But if God said, that's your car, that means that you can ask in faith boldly because God said, it's your car. God's word is God's will. Now, if I go out tomorrow and I go to the Bentley lot and try to get me a $300,000 Bentley and God didn't tell me to get it guess what I'm not getting it because God's word is God's will and I can't pray in confidence because God's word is God's will he didn't tell me to do that in the same way with Joshua Joshua knew this was his will so he could boldly ask for big things. I want to clarify that because when asking for big things, you need to know God told you to do it before you ask. 
Once again, I'm not just saying let's just go ask for random big things and then we fail and say it doesn't work. Like I said, you can't go outside and tell the sun and moon to stand still. God will say, why? Why do you need that to happen? That was a one-time thing. So God's word is God's will. But God will say big things that are his will for you to believe for. If you're listening to God, God will ask and say for big things. Ask me for this. Ask me for restoration in this relationship. And you say, God, that is way too big to ever happen. And God said, it's my will. Ask me for it. God's word is God's will. And when we do that, we can have confidence when we pray. You know, God might say eventually down the road, you see a house and it's the desires of your heart. And God said, that's yours. And you say, I can never afford that. If God said it's yours, it's yours. Ask God for some big prayers. Now, once again, don't just go by and say, well, I want that. Well, did God say anything? No. You can't have any confidence believing God for that. God might say, I want you to believe me for a hundred people to get saved at your school next year. That sounds like a big prayer. But if God said it, God's word is God's will. And you can ask a big prayer and God will do it. So I just wanted to give you the balance of that. We need to know. We ask for big things, but ask it according to his will. His written will, but when God speaks to us, his will. Brother Darrell, could you come up and play for us this morning? I want to read one last verse for you. James 5, and we're going to turn to James 5 and 16. Did you guys get something today? So we see that Joshua asked for big things and God did it because he knew it was his will. God's word is God's will. So in our life, when we're praying big things, make sure you know that God spoke to you about that before you asked for it. That's why we can have confidence when we pray. But trust me, if you're open to hearing God, God will say a lot of things that are bigger than you, greater than you, exceedingly, abundantly above you can ask or think and imagine. He's going to put those things in your heart and say, ask me for this. Ask me for something big. I put that in your heart. You're not asking. And we have not because we ask not. This story about Joshua should encourage all of us to believe for more, to believe for bigger, to believe that God can do impossible things, things that sometimes people have never seen before. We serve a God who can do those things. Come on, do you believe that, church family? God can make a way where there is no way. God can do more than what you can do. And he's a God who can do impossible things. So really this story today from Joshua, what I feel like his story is saying is pray bigger prayers. Dream bigger dreams, church family. Think bigger, dream bigger. Don't let experience in life knock the hope out of you. Knock your dreams out of you. Knock your big prayers that you had when you were younger and you were on fire for God and now you don't ask for anything because I don't want to get my hopes up. God didn't come through for them. 
God didn't do that for them. I know one time I prayed and it didn't work. It's not God's fault. And it's not on God's side. Everyone has prayed things that didn't happen before and thought it shouldn't have happened a certain way. But that doesn't mean give up. That doesn't mean stop praying. I love Brother Hagin said this. He was a man of faith. He said, if I shoot for 100 and get 85, it's better than shooting for like 40 and getting 40. Sometimes there's things that happen that we don't understand. But that doesn't mean stop believing God and give up. The thing is, in eternity, it will all make sense. Right now, we don't get it fully. But God says, I'm looking for some people that will ask big and dream big and think big because I'm well able to do it. And that pleases God. He's so big. And think about how many prayers people ask him that are so tiny compared to his greatness. So James 5, verse 16. James 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Verse 17, Elijah was a human as we are, yet when he prayed earnestly, that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. In verse 18, and then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. But notice it says, the earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And I love it, it goes on, it says, and Elijah was a human as we are. And that what I've been saying, all these heroes of the faith are humans like we are. And it says, because one man prayed for the sun to stand still, it stopped for a whole day. Because one man prayed Elijah that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, it didn't rain. And these are men and women just like we are. And they asked for some big things. They prayed for some big things. They knew it was God's will and they prayed for some big things. Let's get our prayer life up. Our dreaming, our praying, our thinking to the bigness of God. It says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. You don't realize how powerful prayer is and produces wonderful Results. So let's pray bigger, church.